Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Rebecca Knight. It's Monday, September 26th, and we're here with you updating the news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. Vladimir Putin is granting Russian citizenship to Edward Snowden. The 39-year-old former NSA contractor has been living in Russia for nearly a decade to avoid espionage charges here in the U.S. He was granted permanent resident status two years ago. Snowden is accused of leaking hundreds of thousands of classified documents about U.S. government surveillance programs. A former January 6th committee staffer says that the White House switchboard connected with a rioter during the insurrection. It's one of the explosive claims made by Denver Riggleman, a one-time Freedom Caucus Republican congressman who was handpicked by Liz Cheney to work for the committee. Riggleman is promoting an unauthorized book about his experience on sale this week. Part of his work included sifting through 2,000-plus text messages from former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Last night on CBS 60 Minutes, he described them as, quote, a roadmap to a coup. Just think about what these people are saying to each other, to the Chief of Staff of the President of the United States. You should come to the conclusion that, listen, even if it's not criminal, it's idiotic. The committee is scheduled to make its final public hearing this Wednesday. The president of the World Bank is under pressure to resign. David Malpass has been accused of being a climate denier after he didn't acknowledge the part that humans have played in climate change at an event in New York last week. The White House has joined the criticism of Malpass. Here's Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. We expect the World Bank to be a global leader of climate ambition and mobilization as well, of significantly more climate finance for developing countries. Malpass has apologized and refuses to resign. The World Bank's annual meeting starts in just two weeks. The Biden administration and TikTok have reached a draft agreement to resolve national security concerns. Per the deal, the social media giant would make changes to its data security for U.S. users, and Chinese owner ByteDance wouldn't have to sell it. But the New York Times says a final deal is still a ways off. It's citing anonymous sources expressing concerns from the Justice Department that the terms aren't tough enough on China. A baby has been born in the Pacific Ocean, a teeny baby island. An underwater volcano has been erupting for weeks, causing the island to first peak above the surface earlier this month. The new landmass in the central Tonga Islands has been growing quickly since its birth. In less than a week, the island grew from one to six acres. However, NASA says islands formed by underwater volcanoes often don't last that long, but they can survive for years or decades. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens, so check back whenever you want to know the latest. Coming up, if you have a small business or are thinking about starting one, we've got some tips on best practices to attract and keep a talented and diverse workforce. Currency markets are reeling this morning. That's after the pound hit an all-time low of 1.035 against the dollar. Insider's Phil Rosen writes the 10 things before the opening bell newsletter. So there's two factors at play for the pound's steep drop. First, the UK's recently unveiled tax cuts, which were the biggest in 50 years, make investors fear inflation could get worse and rattle a British economy that's already on shaky footing. And second... Aggressive policy from the U.S. Fed has helped push the dollar to a 20-year high. 
So in the UK, the weaker pound will make imports more expensive. That means Brits seem set for an extended cost of living crisis, with high prices for food and energy expected to soar this winter. And politically, outcry over the tax cuts is pushing members of Prime Minister Liz Truss's Tory party to call for a no-confidence vote just weeks into office. Phil Rosen covers markets for Insider. It looks like Italy has elected its first female prime minister. Georgia Maloney leads a party with roots in Italy's fascist past. She appears set to lead a hard-right coalition, and her appointment is already causing a stir. Maloney only took in around 26% of the vote, but she's formed alliances with other far-right parties to form a government. She rallied Italian voters about immigration, the rising cost of living, and the dominance of the EU. About half of Puerto Rico is still in the dark. Energy authorities say that they hope to have most electricity restored by the end of this week. Meanwhile, fuel for generators is running low. Puerto Rico's director of ports says there's a ship off the coast ready to deliver diesel from Texas, but it can't unload without an exemption from the Jones Act, which is this 100-year-old federal law that bars foreign-owned ships from bringing supplies from the the mainland. The shipping company has requested a waiver from DHS so it can dock. Knocking a planet-ending asteroid off course sounds like something out of a movie. But tonight, just after 7 p.m., NASA is going to practice doing just that. It's crashing a vending machine-sized probe into an asteroid about the size of the Statue of Liberty and traveling at more than 12,000 miles an hour. We'll be able to watch the action from a camera rig on the probe. And just to be clear, this is a practice run. Dimorphos is 7 million miles away and isn't on course to hit Earth. No fatal asteroid is. Kenyan runner Eliud Kipchoge won the Berlin Marathon in a record-setting two hours, one minute, and nine seconds on Sunday, shattering his previous world record set on the same course four years ago. Kipchoge's run was so dominant that after he crossed the finish line, he had ample time to hug his trainer, pose for pictures, and wave the Kenyan flag, all before the second-place runner finished roughly five minutes later. We're hearing a lot about people leaving their jobs or so-called quiet quitting. But what if you're a startup that wants to avoid disaffected or burnt out workers later on? What are some ways that you could bake in great ideas to attract and retain a talented and diverse workforce from the jump? Insider recently launched a months-long series to help small businesses that want to be great employers. And the series editor, Emily Cannell, is here to offer some tips. Emily, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rebecca. Emily, first, tell us a little bit about why Insider launched this series. So right now, small business owners are coming from this entrepreneurial boom we saw over the last two years, where so many people either turn to a side hustle for creativity or ancillary income. Maybe they lost their job in the pandemic and needed to find something new to make money, or they just wanted to be their own bosses. You have this wave of about 10 million new businesses created in the last two years, and now they are amidst the great resignation and quiet quitting and this highly competitive labor market. So we have more business owners than ever before, and they are struggling to get the talent they need to scale their businesses to the next level. 
Retaining talent, of course, is a big issue, and employers only really find out what didn't work in an exit interview. What are some ways you can change that pattern? So entrepreneurs can think about reaching out to their employees, issuing a stay interview, for example, and getting a sense of what their staff likes, what they don't like, what would drive them to look for a new job. And then they can bake those preferences into policies. A stay interview, is that like the opposite of an exit interview? Exactly. Stay interviews are this tactic we're seeing entrepreneurs do right now where they're identifying the employees they would regret losing because retention is just as important right now as hiring. And they ask them, what would get them to stay longer? And sometimes they might say more money. You know, that's a very natural thing these days with inflation. But employees will often identify non-financial factors like feeling more respected, gaining more responsibility, a chance to learn on the job, or I'd like to work remotely, or I'd like a flexible work environment. Autonomy is a big part of what employees want right now. They don't want to be micromanaged. They don't want to feel like their boss doesn't trust them. So you have to build that trust among your employees. And that starts in the interview. You have to treat a prospective hire as almost a pre-employee and get a sense of, can I trust them to do the work? Really build that in from the start so that people don't feel like they are being watched or micromanaged. So I'm someone who's extremely skeptical of things like DEI initiatives in companies that have been around for a long time because they never quite seem to fully work. But for companies just starting, does the series offer tips for how to attract a diverse pool of candidates, particularly folks of color, and ways to create a more equitable work environment so employees want to be there and then stay? That is exactly one of the areas of coverage because it's such an important factor and small business owners really have a chance to do something different and implement that change. So for instance, Say you already have a business, maybe there's 10 to 15 employees, and you want to make sure that they feel like they're part of an inclusive workplace. So you can poll them, you can ask them, what do I need to do better? What do you want to see within the company? What would make you feel more comfortable and seen? And then implement those changes. On the other end of trying to attract talent, we're seeing employers write up posts in the job posts or on their website that says, here's our staff, here's what they look like, here's who they are, you'd be joining this community. Do you see yourself among these people? Do you feel like you would be an outlier? Do you feel like you could fit in? Here are our policies because DEI means so much. It is race, it is ethnicity, it is ability, it's gender, it's making sure you feel safe and comfortable and entrepreneurs are really trying to showcase that even in the job postings. This Talent Insider series is just getting started. What else can we expect in the coming weeks? Well, we have 25 stories that will publish between now and December. We have a mentorship program between five entrepreneurs and five experts, and they touch on things like hiring to scale, retention, DEI, benefits, and recruiting and We really want our readers to learn from their experiences. So at the end, we're going to have a piece that goes over the entire mentorship program so that readers can get a sense of what they could do if they feel a similar issue to the entrepreneurs in that program. 
That's so great. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you, Rebecca. Emily Canal is the editor of Talent Insider, a months-long series designed to support small businesses and entrepreneurs in partnership with Indeed. For more on this series, go to insider.com and search Talent Insider. Make sure to follow the refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Rebecca Knight in for Dave Smith. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.